10 to 1, episode 141, Wheel of Time, book 7, A Crown of Swords. Welcome to 10 to 1, the podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brent Kozer, and I'm very sorry. Um, because I can't imagine you're actually going to want to listen to this episode. Um, so we're talking about Wheel of Time. And, well, mostly Melissa's talking about Wheel of Time. Uh, we've posted a couple of these already, so I guess you know if you want to hear it. But uh, um, at least in previous episodes, you had the the slight, slight incentive that uh, it was like this. It was an unfiltered, unedited uh, edition. Um, if you had already heard the episode, uh, the edited version on the Sci-Fi Christian feed, uh, you could now come hear the unedited version on our side. Um, uh, but I forgot to start recording, so this is literally the episode from uh, Sci-Fi Christian's feed. I'm, I'm actually recording this intro uh, so that Ben and Matt don't find out that we just stole their episode and, and put it in this feed. Um, please don't tell them. Um, so... Yeah, if you have not already heard this episode on their feed, and you're interested in The Wheel of Time, enough that you've read the series, or or, or didn't read the series, and don't mind spoilers, um, then uh, enjoy. And uh, sorry that it's not uh, our traditional April Fool's episode. We had one planned, um, and we've uh, we've had some stuff come up. Uh, maybe that we'll be talking about in future episodes, and uh, it did not happen. So uh, those April Fool's plans pushed for one more year. Um, instead, you've got uh, probably the worst episode um, that we're going to put in our feed this year. I certainly hope there's not one worse. Anyway, have fun. Episode 877, Unweaving the Wheel of Time, Book 7. Did you say 877 for Book 7? That's pretty good. Wow. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Ed Anderson. I'm Ben DiBono. We're back. We're back. Um, and this, you know, so we're 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 going to be joined by Melissa Kozer and I think Brian too. Yeah, in minutes. I, mean, uh, I just sent them the invite. I mean, perfect. So we're just be. we're just waiting for him to jump in here. But you know, it's been a it's been a little while since we've done any unweaving. I have it right here, episode eight hundred and forty one, unweaving the wheel of time, book six. We released it on September twenty first, twenty twenty. Right. That was a uh, Lord of Chaos. Is that correct? That Lord was the last of one? Chaos. Tonight yes. we're on to a Crown of Swords. So. The deal was with Lord of Chaos. I th- was that the the third one that Melissa or second one Melissa was here with us. What, what's the last one you read? You read book four. I read, or you read book one. five. I read all the way to book five. I think because okay. okay. Yes, I read Fires of Heaven. That's the last one I read. So with book six, once we invited Melissa on, she read it very quickly, and she was actually reading it, whereas I was listening to it. So I felt a little bit uh, outdone. So what I did immediately following that September episode was begin listening to uh, Lord of Chaos. And here they are. 
It's the Cozers. The Cozers are back, but they're not on quite yet. Okay. We'll just save the story for when they're on here live. All right. Get in here, you Cozers. <laughs> I have to admit them to this group. Oh. Hello, Brian. I see you. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, you're you're currently live on, on well, recorded live. We started the, the intro without you because we figured you can't hear the music anyways. We might as well get right to it. Yeah. So... Ben was just giving us a recap, so go ahead, pick it back up, Ben. So I was just going to say that I've, uh, it's currently January 26th, and I finished this book somewhere around the middle of October. So memory's not fresh. Um, well, let's rely heavily on Melissa. Yeah, I really hope Melissa's got some good content. Brian, you're Well, smiling. I'm looking up right now to see when was the last time... I uh, no, nobody read see, this what book. Was it, what, what's the title that we're even? <laughs> this is a crowd of, this time? Lord of Chaos. No, uh, no, Chaos, uh, Swords. No, it's Crown of Swords. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's what I said. Uh-oh. Okay, let's see. The last time that I oh I finished this, uh, the eleventh of November. So it's a little bit rusty for me too. Man, alive! Wow, no. <laughs> So Ben, October. So this is Melissa, gonna, October. We're here at the end of January. I'm so. just, I'm just gonna look it up and see for sure. Yeah, October eighth. Wow. Okay. So, so lower your expectations, listeners. But it, so far, though, well, probably we can have some good conversation. But I have a feeling this episode will be a little more vague and a little shorter. <laughs> Rand was in it. Let me just say this. I just, you know, I haven't reviewed the books titles that I've read. Uh, but I think Crown of Swords might be the best title so far. Well, let's think. <laughs> I'll I, find the list. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even bother. I'll go find it for you. <laughs> Why don't you introduce Melissa and Brian one well, more time? Well, so Melissa and Brian. Brian is our archivist from our favorite fan site, the only fan site, the sfc.blue, uh, which is one of my favorite websites. Uh, gives me a lot of pleasure. And Melissa is... Uh, married to him, and she's read The Wheel of Time and is reading it again. And because Matt's a quitter, she is stepping in to continue the series. Thank you. Uh, I, I do have... Well, why don't you guys say a few words, and I have the list here. Let's right now vote on what is the best title so far. I mean, why don't you wait till we've run out of material before you start padding? I feel like we're there. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got some <laughs> stuff to say. I've got some stuff to say. Yeah, I've got stuff, too. I remember now... Um, I was looking at my Goodreads review, and I also wrote down a few notes elsewhere, uh, not on the Goodreads, so that I wouldn't give away all my all my thoughts on this book. So I'm ready. I'm good. Okay, great. Okay, so preparation months ago. Yeah, so maybe the best place to start is there's the infamous slog in the middle of the Wheel of Time series, and what but what's not agreed upon by fans is where exactly does the slog begin so some after people this after this book i i'm inclined to agree with you uh i think everybody kind of includes 9 and 10 in the slog most people are going to include 8 and i know some people include 7 but well i don't think this book is quite as good as the previous 3 I do not agree with with considering it part of the slog i i think it's a a very entertaining read I think some people include it because it's got a lot of Aes Sedai politics. Those are the female magic wielders for those who are uh, jumping in for the Thanks. first time listening on this. Um, and so uh, they're, uh, 
you have the White Tower is kind of their home base, and then uh, there was a big fight amongst them, and a group splintered off, and uh, they're the Rebel Aes Sedai, and so there's, but they're basically known for trying to scheme, and they're they're politicians, and so uh, they're always trying to get an extra little bit of leverage or power over someone else, and there's a lot of that going on in this book. You know, it's interesting to the I said I, because I know you're reading Dune along with us, too. I think both of you are. Boy, did Robert Jordan borrow heavy from the Benny Gesserit for the I said I. Yes. And, and I think I always knew that. But it's a very different experience when you're kind of reading them at the same time to realize these are basically the the, the Benny Gesserit. Yeah. It's it's not even like a, an homage. This basic This is the Benny Gesserit supplanted into this world. Without the uh, selected breeding pattern. Well, that's true. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Yet. That's true. Uh, yeah, and I haven't seen any gum jabars. But the, the the whole manipulation, the idea that there's a very cynical, they're sort of on the side of of good, but also sort of not, and, and nobody quite likes them, but everybody needs them type of thing. Yeah. So... We've got the yeah, we've got the Aes Sedai politics. The the two other big storylines, of course, are um Matt in is it Evodar where he is with the girls looking for the, the bowl of winds? Yeah. And then uh Rand finally, after they've been teasing it for like four books, taking on Samael in uh Shadar Logoth. Yes. Yes, yeah, so with uh so I, I feel like you made Matt's uh, section sound a little bit dumb. With he's with the girls looking for a bowl, but <laughs> here's well, here's what's going on. I wouldn't say Matt. I did that. <laughs> so the dark one, who is basically Satan in this this realm, is he's slowly breaking free of his prison and. Uh, his touch on the world is becoming more manifest because uh, it should be winter right now, and instead it's a blazing drought. It's super hot everywhere, and uh, there's, you know, the ground is drying up. And so uh, Egwene uh, has a sort of dream vision in Teleranria, the world of dreams. Uh, where she sees this uh, this this bowl, which is uh, it's a magical artifact, a terangreal, and uh, she thinks that they they can use that to help them change the weather. So she sends Elaine and Nynaeve to go look for it, and Matt, of course, is along for the ride because he promised he would protect Elaine. Right. He promised Rand that. And- Promises are very important to to Matt. He's he's kind of a scoundrel, but if he gives his word, he will keep it. Yeah, he's like, so, he's the Han Solo of this book. He, yep, he is Han Solo. And so they're uh, they're going around in Ibudar, but uh, while they're there, they find some dark friends, people that they know are dark friends, and then it turns out someone among the dark friends. Uh, sends a golem after them, which is 
Uh, boy, how would you describe that? Well, golem, you know, it, it's actually within uh, a Jewish folklore. That's where golems originate. So, and not golem like the Lord of the Rings creature, but yeah. G O L E M. So it's basically a, a mud man. And at least it okay. is in Jewish folklore. Okay. Except that this one isn't like a. I guess I'd I'd had sort of a different idea of what a go, uh, Jewish folklore golem was, which was where like they're sort of uh, robots. Well, this one's very fluid and can fit through tiny cracks. Yeah, I'm not up on my Jewish folklore um, <laughs> as much as I this might one, like, but that's, that sounds right to me. This one's like the second the Terminator oh, in yeah. uh, Terminator Two. Well, it's kind of funny then that, that you said it's not like a robot, and now you're saying it's I like know. the Terminator. Yeah. Well, I wish you'd make up your mind. Look, I think out loud, okay? All right. Well, you're doing a great, much better job recapping this than I would, so please continue. <laughs> okay, let's see. So while they're in Ibudar looking for that um, land, Mary's Nynaeve, uh, that's another kind of major... Yeah, major I forgot topic. about that. Oh, that's that was awesome. A, that was a big moment. That wasn't on the Wikipedia. That's so weird. <laughs> you know, listeners, yeah, so. listeners may know I'm not actually reading the book anymore. I'm just reading the Wikipedia. And this one was light. I mean, it was a short Wikipedia plot summary. And they didn't say anything about Lan and Nynaeve. Yeah, so what happens is Egwene, of course, is with the rebel Aes Sedai. And she is kind of getting manipulated by everybody who thinks, well, you know, the reason that they raised her to be the Amerlin seat there in among the rebels was they thought they could control her because she hasn't been a true Aes Sedai yet. She hasn't been raised to the shawl. And so everybody thinks, well, now that, you know, you're not, we don't really consider you full Aes Sedai, even though we've raised you to the Emerlin seat. So that means we can control you. And people are doing all these things to try and uh, force her to do what they want. Well, then she finds out that two of the sisters in the camp have, uh, have bond, one of them has bonded uh, Lan. Oh, that's Because right. after, after Moiraine died, uh, Lan basically felt like seeking out death it it's part of the i said i water bond right we haven't Lan- seen him since the end of book five when he, he mm-hmm. runs off after can, can i interrupt yeah i just want i forgot yeah. that moraine died so she died at the end of the you book read i that, read yeah you, oh you wow read that i one. forgot that okay no this is really good because as i'm getting ready to read book eight soon i'm uh, you know this is a fantastic recap please please continue <laughs> <laughs> okay so moraine died and any time that uh, the Aes Sedai dies, then a warder uh, feels like uh, he just wants to die. And so he's going to go out and find any way possible to die in, in battle or whatever. Well, right before she died, Moraine had it set up so that her bond, and we don't find that out until this book, her bond would yes, pass over to another Aes yes, Sedai. Yes, we do. Uh, I actually knew that. Yes, we find that out, I think, in book four that yeah, yeah, Moraine arranges that. that. Okay. And she well, tells she tells Lan, and he is super unhappy with her. I think he was sort of annoyed uh, at her. Yeah. yeah, like maybe betrayed even. Yeah, yeah. Take that! I knew something Melissa didn't. <laughs> Good for you, Ben. I'm proud I'm of you. I'm paying attention to this series. <laughs> this is one of those moments where you would have have paused the recording and said, "Oh, wait," for the record. <laughs> anyway, 
So uh, Egwene finds out about this, and in this universe, passing a, man, uh, a bond like that is tantamount just about to rape, because the warder has no say in it. And we'll come and back so, to rape a little bit later in the Evodar story. <laughs> a little teaser for the listeners. <laughs> and so... Uh, so now, she, now Egwene has leverage over Morel, and she's going to use Morel and some of the others uh, that were there present and knew about this uh, to to sort of uh, strengthen her standing. And so then she decides the best way to help Lan uh, because uh, he still is trying to do all he can to die. Um, and nothing that Morel's doing for him is working. She sends Lan off to go find Nynaeve in Ibudar and to protect her. She figures if he has something to live for, i.e. saving Nynaeve, maybe he won't seek death. And then Nynaeve finds him, and she's pretty mad, so mad about uh, uh, another woman having Lan's bond that she says, I'm done with this, and she decides to up and marry him right there on the spot. All right, I right she gets that. the bond transferred to her, right? No, not in this book. Okay. She marries him even though he's still bonded to so another So spoilers, woman. everybody. Oh, That bond's getting transferred. Yeah, that, well, I think it has to, if I remember correctly. Why does it have to? Well, I just mean that I, I recall that it does. So, spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Which is good. I mean, that obviously this is this is one reason why I don't consider this book filler, because there are a lot of things like this that um, Robert Jordan's been building up to for for multiple books. You know, you have Lan and Nynaeve. You have this whole idea, even though you didn't remember it, of that we are trying to find out what did Moraine do to Lan's bond, and then when she dies, we know that that's going to get triggered. We have the Bowl of the Winds, like Samuel. There's a lot of payoff in this book. Yes. Uh, let me recap a little bit more of the plot. Uh, just kind of. Oh, uh, please do. Kind of for overall, here's the big picture of what's going on. So, at the very beginning of the book, we get the White Cloak leader, Pedra Nile, assassinated. Now, even though he's a White Cloak, he's a basically good man. The guy who assassinated him, Eamon Valda, is not. And. Uh, I forget if he's a dark friend or not, but he's he's not a good guy. Um, Morgase, uh, she was Elaine's mother, had to uh, go into exile because one of the Forsaken had been controlling her. So going back that, to Pedro Nile as a good guy, you know, if, if the White Cloaks are basically the KKK of this world, would you say he's kind of the grandfatherly member who dresses up as Santa for the kids at Christmas? Like, he's part of a bad organization, but he's friendly. He's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a... <laughs> he can have a little bit of respect for him, at least. <laughs> it, th there's a visual component to this episode that I, I, I wish I could bottle up for everybody. Um, <laughs> I cannot. Look, he's a, he's like in Star Trek uh, Con. He's a murderer, but not right. the, the recent Star Trek movers, movies. But you can still kind of have some respect for him. He's a, sort of a Julius Caesar type character. Cozer's, I think. I think 
I should explain what Ben means by the visual element. So as he's saying strange things, he's taking pictures of my face and then texting you guys the pictures. So look for those on your phone. Yeah, I think Brian's seen them, but I don't have Melissa's number, so I'm only texting Brian. <laughs> you can share them. Uh, but yeah, Matt is is Matt sometimes has strong visual reactions, and usually I'm like two in the middle of a point to grab my phone and take a picture. The benefit of this <laughs> this episode is so far I've been able to document it. So, uh, yeah, I wish I wish everybody else could see that, but you'll just Those have to imagine amazing. it. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so anyway, the White Cloaks have a new. Yeah, leader, we were we were on the KKK. The Shan Chan uh, conquer the White White Cloaks as well, but my uh, Pedro Niles little dried up assistant Seven. Seven Balwer manages to smuggle Morgase and her company out. So they're free for the moment. Uh, let's see. Then uh, we found out where a couple of the Forsaken are hiding. One of them is in among the rebel Aes Sedai and, in fact, is in close contact with Egwene. Uh, she often comes in to give Egwene massages for these awful headaches that Egwene has suddenly been experiencing. And then another one is in the White Tower, uh, hidden somewhere, and manipulating uh, Elida, who is the the Aes Sedai who... She's the Amarlin seat, right? Yeah, the, the former Amarlin seat. Oh, no, she's the current one. Yeah, she's the current one. Yeah. And Rand has PTSD after uh, having been boxed up by the the Aes Sedai that had captured him. And then he meets Pat and Fane. Uh, he's going around trying to, uh, I guess, dismiss some riots and, and, and people who are rebelling against him. And he's starting to be lucky, but then there's a bubble of evil. And in the middle of that, he meets Pat and Fane. And gets a new unhealable wound. Pat and Fane was the peddler who right. brought uh, the monster, the Trollocs, and and other stuff down into his home village. And that's who Perrin had fought off in book four. All right, everybody, up to date? We're up to date. And then, of course, Rand takes on Samael at the end of the book. Yes. Yes. yes so, uh, a couple of things. I, I like this book overall. I have two big complaints uh, okay. with it. <clears throat> so, number one, uh, I forget who the woman is who's chasing Matt um, in, in yeah. Evodar, uh, but I do agree with the critics that it does get very rapey uh, towards the end of that. And, like, uh, you know, George R. R. Martin has that, and I'm not going to count it against the book just because. Like, obviously, rape's bad, but I'm just saying, like, you can have bad things in a good book. But, I mean, Robert Jordan seems kind of completely oblivious to it. It doesn't get me all that worked up, because uh, it is just a book, but I do agree with the critics on that. The bigger comp- or go ahead. to it. I mean, what's the point of writing fantasy if you can't write your fantasies? Do you think Robert Jordan's fantasy was raping Matt Cawthon? <laughs> I think you might have been having a woman pursue him. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> but, uh, 
Wow, that, that took a left turn. I, I'm glad you clarified, you Melissa. That left turn. No, I didn't. I brought up a legitimate point. It's a common comment in this book. Um, so, so put a pin in that. The other. Hey, can we have another picture of Matt? <laughs> His head went down. I couldn't get one. Uh, it was it was head on the desk. Uh, so the other point. I don't think we've ever talked about rape so much on the Sci-Fi Christian before. It's it's a banner day. Uh, the other other bigger complaint I have with this book is that we've been building up to Samael Rand confrontation since the end of book three. And so that's like 4,000 pages at this point. And it is so anticlimactic when it happens. It's, yeah, it's over pretty quickly. Very quickly. It's And even then, it's just him and somehow go off and fight each other instead of, like, they had this huge right. army. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I like the idea of returning to Shadar Logoth. I, I, I like a lot of what goes into that. But, yeah, there's no actual fight that takes place. There's no real battle. And when you compare it to some of the other... Uh, conclusions that we've gotten, uh, you know, especially the last three books, the fight with Asmodine in, uh, or Asmodian in, in, um, book four. And then you've got the whole, uh, Moiraine dying and Lanfear going through the gate in book five. And then, uh, Dumai's Wells in book six. And these are just huge. And it's not that the expectation is that he should keep trying to top himself and top himself and top himself but to fall so far in the other direction is a pretty huge yeah. disappointment yeah i think my greatest disappointment is that after this book we're not going to see matt for two maybe three books again wow really? well i think he's in book nine i know he's in book 10 he's in book 10 yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he's in book nine, but you're right. He's, he's definitely not in book eight, so I guess we will see. Why? What's the deal? It's just like, you know how we we took a book off from Perrin in book five? Mm -hmm. Same type of thing. But for multiple books for Matt? Uh, just for one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just for one, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, if he's if he's in book nine, it's it, there's not much that happens with him. Well, let's be honest, Wait, there's not much that happens with anybody in book nine until the very end. Which this book, is true. Book nine's kind of the inverse of this one, if you think about it. Like the the ending's spectacular, and the rest of it's sort of. Eh. And this one, I think the book itself is pretty solid, and then the ending is. Eh. Yeah. So where would you slot this one in? Uh, not that you have to rank the whole series, but um, among the other, the preceding Wheel of Time books. So everything up to book seven at this point. Oh, so I really like, I like the first one. I know it rips off of uh, we, uh, what is it? Fellowship of the Ring a whole, whole lot. Yeah, it does. But... I still really like it. It's um, it's a good, good formula. Uh, book two is good. I really disliked book three this uh, last time around. Four and five are good. I'd say uh, four and five is kind of the peak, and then Agreed. this one's kind of in the middle, right with book two. Maybe a little under book two. That one's pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I'd put it exactly the three. same way. Yeah, three's the worst one so far. I would put this probably a little bit above book one, but I, I do agree with you that uh, book one holds a special place in my heart, even though it doesn't hold up quite as well on rereads. I, I think the other thing that contributes to this book's reputation as beginning the slog is here's the publication dates for the books leading up to this one. So Eye of the World, January 1990. Great Hunt, November 1990. That's oh, super wow. fast. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dragon Reborn, October 91. Shadow Rising, September 92. Fires of Heaven, October 93. Lord of Chaos, October 94. Crown of Swords, May 96. So it's his first two-year wait. Uh-huh. And then Path of Daggers, October 98. And this is when the wait goes to two years plus. And I, I think that's one of those things where I forget, Melissa, if you read these books while they were being published. No, I, uh, let's see, when I came in, I think I was waiting for a book. Hmm. Let me, th- let me think about it for a bit. Okay. Well, let me just say something too. Yeah. Speaking of 1996, I, I mean, you taught me this, uh, the very first, uh, Song of Ice and Fire book came out in 1996, that's true. correct? So. So a little uh, overlap here of some things we've covered. That's true. Uh, and and the, the original hardcover edition of A Game of Thrones, as the first book is called with the article, had a poll quote from Robert Jordan on it. Oh, wow. What were you going to say, Brian? Oh, I was just thinking uh, all of those Wheel of Time fans that were like, ah, oh, two years in between each book that <laughs> okay. went on to read A Song of Ice and Fire. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. You know, they finished book six and they're like, "Well, it's going to be at least two years. Let's check out this new." We, we'd just like for a book six to exist. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they decided to check out a Game of Thrones. They're like, "Well, let's get into something new." Yeah. Now, wow. Yeah. So I I started the series right before Crosswords of Twilight, Crosswords of Twilight, Crossroads of Twilight came out. Um, <laughs> He's just sitting at his desk. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what is a word? What's another that word? Was, a, that might have been more entertaining than the rest of Crossroads of Twilight. Uh, but I do think it makes a difference. And we've talked about this with TV shows and everything, that there is something about that wait time. And, and it's a different experience compared to, like, we just watched Dark. Right. And we watched Dark after it had finished. And so we're able to go through all three. Yeah, like, I don't know if I would have loved it as much or even been able right. to follow it as closely. If I hadn't been able to go straight through, I had such a good experience with Dark, and maybe this will add on to what you're saying, that I've decided to hold off on some other shows I want to watch sure. until they're complete. Yeah. And I think you also have to remember that the internet doesn't really exist at this point. I mean, it, it physically does, of course, but like I've, I've used the Wheel of Time Wikipedia page, not the one you're looking on, the actual Wikipedia page, Matt, but the actual Wheel of Time wiki, the fan site. Mm-hmm. It's extensively when rereading the series you forget who a character's name is i know that's ringing a faint bell i just go out and look them up and when you don't have that and then the books are getting farther apart and you're probably falling into one of two camps the type that's going to obsessively reread the books and the type that just doesn't have time and you don't have any way of catching up on it you can start to see where that that gap is really going to add into negative feelings about a book when it's it's comes out yeah, so I got into these at uh, around 2001, 2002, uh, and so I'm, I'm guessing that was maybe about book nine. I think Winter's Heart, which is book nine, had just come out. So okay, I so had we were to about wait. the same time. And then, yeah. yeah, and then and then uh, 
I, but like each time a book came out, I would I would reread the whole series all over again and get, get caught up and so forth. And then when I heard he died and he hadn't completed the series, I was in despair. So I was very happy Brandon Sanderson took over. What kind of drugs do you think Brandon Sanderson consumes? Or do you think he's doing this sober? I mean, he is. No, because he, he's a Mormon. So it's oh. he's either doing this stone cold sober the way a good Mormon should. Or he is on something crazy. Because the, the, the pace that that guy writes at is insane. You know, it, and he's he's kind of the anti-George R. R. Martin. He's sort of a Stephen King kind of. Now, Stephen King's would, a better writer than Brandon Sanderson is. How would you feel if Brandon Sanderson were to come in and take George R. R. Martin's notes oh. and just bang out, uh, you know, the last book of this series? So it would be a terrible mistake. If And, and I really admire the job Brandon Sanderson did with uh, the last few books in Wheel of Time. But I think tonally, Sanderson is much closer to the type of um, writing that Robert Jordan does and the type of mindset. I think you need somebody who's sort of in that vein. I think, I don't know if you guys have read Joe Abercrombie's stuff. He, he'd be a good potential replacement for uh, 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 George R. R. Martin. But somebody who's a little bit more of that, has a little bit more of an edge to him than, than uh, Brandon Sanderson does. So I think he'd be a terrible choice for Song of Ice and Fire, even though he was a great choice. Probably the best possible choice uh, for Wheel of Time. All right, well, you mentioned what your uh, your negatives against this book are, and I agree, the parts with Tillin, she's the queen that's chasing after Matt, yeah, that's pretty uncomfortable. But um, Not for Robert the- Jordan. That's his <laughs> fantasy, I guess. One of the big things for me that just was really annoying uh, these last several times I've read it is you just keep on getting so much description um, of things that you should already know. And I know for for you guys it's it's great, but uh, I don't know. I, I can't encountered this a lot with uh, book three. That there's a whole lot of recapping and not much new story. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a bit of an artifact from again it coming out in the time pre-internet that he's got to assume people have not reread they they aren't pulling a melissa and rereading the whole thing each time well i mean and there was there's a there's a whole lot more story in this book than in book three uh but i think too there's just so much description like he's he's talking about the rebel Aes Sedai and their camp in saladar and how uh, and the, there's these big muddy ruts from all the wheel wagon wheels and the cartwrights and the uh, the horses, the drone horses or whatever that that gotta pull the heavy wagons because all these other people accompany uh, a huge army army as well. And it sounds like, well, yeah, of course he needs to say all that um, to build the picture, but he goes into too much detail, and there there were. A few, several moments where I felt like he's really telling me instead of showing me. I mean, yeah, he's not a uh, economical writer. Uh, that's for sure. And I do think that uh, starting in this book and, and then continuing on into the true uh, slog of the next few, that, that does become more of a problem. Well, still, let's talk about one of the best parts, though, of, I think, the whole series. Um, and, I mean, 
not the best part, but it's uh, it's just a taste of how cool Matt is starting to really turn out. And that's when, at the very end, they found the bowl of the winds. They're going to go get it. And uh, when they arrive, the, there's two black Aes Sedai who attack Elaine and Nynaeve. Nynaeve manages to hold them off and sends Elaine up to go get the bowl of the winds. They've got to get it. Yeah. And then while they're there, um, the golem attacks. And Matt runs upstairs and sees everybody uh, to, to his eyes dead. Um, and he's he's about to turn around, and he can tell whatever this thing is, it's not something that he can handle. Uh, and he's about to turn around and save his own skin, and then he sees Elaine moving, realizes she's not dead. She just got stunned or knocked out. And the, he sees the golem start moving toward her to finish her off. He's like, no, nah, I've made a promise. And so he tries tackling with it, It's got and it's got the strength of... I don't know how many men was super strong. And so it tosses him around like a rag doll. But at one point, the fox had medallion that he got uh, when he stepped through the doorway, yeah. uh, Terangriel in, in Roydian. Uh, and he met the snake-like in fox people. Um, he got that from them. Remember, he got that and the, the special spear that he carries. And also, he got hung. Hung by the neck. And those were like his three gifts from them. And anyway, this fox had medallion. It stops Aes Sedai from channeling uh, at him and affecting him with their, their magic power. But it also burns this golem creature. It has the ability to injure it when no other weapons will hurt it. Weapons slide right in and right out, and no harm done to it. And so he is the only thing that can scare this thing away. And uh, and he he doesn't back down from it, and it's just pretty cool. I agree. Yeah, his character, I know Matt was always very negative. Our Matt was always very negative yes. about that, Matt. I didn't like that, Matt. But I... I I feel like he shortchanged him because he is such a fantastic character. And much like Han Solo, this is kind of his coming back to almost shoot Darth Vader in the trench run moment. Yeah. Well, I uh, I don't really have anything else that I really was dying to say. Do you? I do. I'm about to list for you the names of each of the books in this series. This is my contribution to the episode. Here we okay. go. You will have to pick your favorite. Number one, The Eye of the World. Number two, The Great Hunt. Number three, The Dragon Reborn. Number four, The Shadow Rising. Number five, The Fires of Heaven. Number six, Lord of Chaos. And finally, number seven, A Crown of Swords. I think I, I have to go with Fires of Heaven. I think I'd pick The Shadow Rising. I like the great hunt. I'm a simple man. Simple words. And I'm going to go with A Crown of Swords. Wow, we all like different titles. So, what, wow. What is oh, the Crown oh, of Swords? Oh, we're just ba- we're basing it on titles? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're so basing it on is, titles. This is, What's we, your favorite title? Do you want me to read them again? <laughs> I, I, I'm don't. running through them in my head. Yeah, well, she's I think that. The Dragon Reborn is a pretty cool title. It, it is. Hey, I can tell you what. I actually know what The Crown of Swords is, Brian. Do you want me to contribute to this? I do. Well, yeah, you two take the episode from here. Please. Well, uh, you know, 
Rand fights Samuel and Samuel, yes, Samuel, and then he takes the crown of Ilian, which was formerly the Laurel Crown, but now they're calling it the Crown of Swords. Yeah, so Samuel's in charge of Ilian. He's taken over Ilian, so in conquering that, Rand is now king of Ilian as well. Yep. So why is it of swords? Was it made of swords or something? It's little swords. Melissa, sorry, you broke up there for a second. Were you literally saying it's made up of little swords? It's little swords nestled among laurel leaves. (laughs) What are laurel leaves? Uh, well, it's a leaf from a certain type of tree. Is that real? Like in real life? Or is that a laurel tree yeah. in, the, in the book? Yeah. I've never That's heard of like, a laurel uh, tree. Isn't that what uh, like the Caesars wore around uh, their heads? Yeah. yeah. Like the Olympic athletes? Look at you, Brian. Got, got laurels. Ah, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, you're here. You've done a great, Melissa. Honestly, I'm I'm watching Ben in action, and you really out out yeah, showing him. You did. Tonight. You did. You did. <laughs> so, so way to go! Thank you for. I mean, we really needed you. It was an A plus effort. This was like if you guys watched football this weekend. I was Tom Brady in the second half of that game, throwing three picks in a row, and mm-hmm. you were Matt Lafleur choosing to kick a field goal instead of uh, win the game. Well done. So happy. So, so, so thank you, Cozers. Cozers, you, you guys should just uh, plug everything you want to plug when it comes to your show, and especially SFC.Blue. Yep, we're, uh, we're back podcasting again. Uh, we just did our, our books episode, Books 2020. That's a really good um, episode. Wow. That you guys uh, finally... I love the idea for that wonder, episode. Wonder That's a great you, idea. where you guys thought that one up. Well, <laughs> hey, well, you stole the title from us and got your years correct, so... Uh, there's a little little give and take. You guys also recently did your resolutions. Yes. Yep. Yep. New Year's resolutions. And uh, we've got some other book stuff that we're going to do and, and uh, favorite movies from last year, which we watched like eight or nine movies. So that's going to be a fun top ten. Are you going to call it Movies and, 2020? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. But uh, it's not going to need to be as long as your guys' was. Yeah. What? Um, and then, yeah, FS, SFC.blue. I've... Um, Put in a whole bunch of updates. Uh, I actually, I actually have a clip for you uh, from an episode I heard the other day. Uh, this isn't gonna gonna get out on the website quite yet, but uh, let me let me play this for you. Let, uh, tell me if you can't hear audio start playing. I can't hear it. Uh, AW says thought they were amazing. My wife is on book thirteen and also loving them. Looking forward to that episode. So Ben and I will be doing a Wheel of Time ep- episode this year. It'll be different than most of our reviews though because. I'm not going to read this, so I'll be there no. to ask questions, Don't read it. and Ben will describe it. So uh, yeah. I think we're going to have a guest host on for that, possibly. Is that still Maybe. happening? Well, uh, we have two people in mind, and you you were going to get back to me about one whose name is Doug. Oh, Do you remember your, your dad? Yeah, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Is that? Sorry, I've, I've done that no work on this whatsoever. So I've said that on the air. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I think it'd be awesome to have your dad on the show. That yeah, could be fun. Would he be up for that or not? Really? Yeah. I think that's about it. Wow. Whose child is that? Oh, I thought that was in the clip. Oh. <laughs> nope, nope. I, I ended it. That's okay. live. I think you. That is amazing. What? Longer, can, do you remember? I didn't know if your dad would, would do it or not. But Brian. that was back, uh, let's see, uh, May 15, 2015, episode 357. Um, I forget what the title is. We had not shown up on the scene yet. It took us five years. 
But we made yeah, it well, you started. You started uh, what a year and a half ago. So yeah, a couple of years now at this point. Wow, that's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, ended up having a guest after all. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I love hearing clips from the uh, past. Yeah, and you ended up not having Matt read it after all either. Hey, I, I did start it, though. I have five books into the series, so I, I think I did my due diligence. You got one-third of the way and quit. I guess. Uh, guys, I'm going to hit the music, which you won't be able to hear, but stay on so we can talk afterwards. Uh, but right. listeners, thanks so much for being here tonight on this, another edition of Unweaving the Wheel of Time. I'm Matt Anderson. I am Ben DiBono. And we're joined by... The Cozers. Melissa Cozer. And Brian Cozer. And we are all the Sci-Fi Christians. Signing off. Bye. Raise your little swords high in the air, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for real, because uh, <laughs> Melissa, you really carried that episode. Oh, thanks. When do you guys want to do the next? When do you? Yeah, good thing you didn't say that on the. Uh... <laughs> good thing you wait until we're done recording. That, I'm actually, I'm actually still recording. I could stick this at the end. Okay. <laughs> um, when do you want to do the next one? Do you want to put on the calendar right now, or you want to hold off? Well, let, let's let's not put an exact date on, but I'll I'll start listening in the next week or so. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll start reading. Reading the book, too. Why don't we say roughly sometime in March? I think that's doable. All right. So, listeners, be back in March 2021 for Unweaving the Wheel of Time, book eight. You do that with such flair, Matt. (laughs) All right. Great episode, Matt. Thank you. You too, Brian. You and me will do one sometime. What? What'd you say? I said you and me will do one sometime. So we do, like, just an interlude? Like a Wheel of Unweaving interlude? (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds terrible. That'd be awesome. All right, we're hanging up. Thank All you. Right, Thank you, everybody. Right. Talk to you guys. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye.